1099.3 WBT. Alrighty, it's third hour of the program, and as we've been doing uh, throughout the week here, we've been talking about the Alec Murdoch trial taking place down in South Carolina, and uh, we are joined now by Matt Harris. He's the morning co-host over the Matt and Ramona Show on our sister station, Mix 107.9. He's also been producing and co-hosting a podcast on the murder cases. Sorry, the Murdoch cases. It's just I keep I interchange the word I don't I don't know Me why. Too. Me too. Right with 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 your co-host Seton Tucker and uh, you guys are going to be actually doing some fill-in on WBT on February 9th and tenth uh, for Brett Jensen seven till eight p.m. So check that out next week. So Matt, uh, I know you got uh, you're kind of in a, a, a time crunch here because you guys are on lunch break. I appreciate you making time and. I know your your schedule is at the whim of the judge in the case, but yeah. uh, I watched early this morning before my show from like 9.30, so this was day two of the sled agent who was piecing together all of the um, all of the cell phone data, and I've said from the beginning that I think this is where the case is going to be made or or not. Uh, so what what have I missed since the show started at noon in sort of the run-up before lunch? What have I missed? Because I, I guess he went under cross-examination, right? Yes, yes, and uh, just, you know, I won't get way deep in my nerd weeds of all the timing, but he, uh, they laid out a case that Alec, uh they're going to bring up this video. They, had, they showed it briefly, and you can hear a guy's voice, but that's going to come in hopefully this afternoon at 844, and if that can put Alec at the kennels, if that can put Alec at the kennels, he's got a lot explaining to do because he said he wasn't anywhere near there. So, but they haven't gotten into that other than showing it. So they went through how many steps people had, Paul steps when they stopped, when the phone stopped, Maggie steps when the phone stopped, uh, Alec, you know, walking all over the place, and suddenly he's not walking, which means he had the phone, you know, put the phone down or whatever. Um, and so they pinpointed when the phones are dead. And then so the, the main point of the state today was to say, look, at 9.06, Alec starts his car. A uh, few seconds later, uh, Maggie's phone is doing what they call an orientation. It's changing from phone like to landscape. You know, when you're looking for a picture, if you're taking it wide or up or whatever. Right, turning your phone 90 degrees to yeah, yeah. get a better angle or whatever. Or, or to open your phone with the, uh, the facial unlock feature. And then you move it around. And so the, the, they were trying to say, look, this shows that uh, Alec, threw the phone out the window because it was found outside of Moselle about a quarter down, uh, quarter, uh, down the road uh, because you know, Maggie's phone had been dead for 10 minutes. Paul's phone exactly, almost exactly the same time, about seven seconds apart, went dead. And, but all of a sudden, Maggie's phone, because you can tell when a phone is rolling, even if it's not turned on. Now, it has to be, like the screen has to be illuminated or whatever. You can't just whip it when it's off. So they see... Uh, Fence comes up and they're like, "Hey, uh, he was in the car at nine oh six, and, they, and the, the the timing is off. And and look when the phone was going, and hey, how could he got in the phone? And blah 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 blah. And then the big strike by the state when they came back was like, "Listen, when the phone is off, they tried to explain to people when the phone is off, off, not like looking at the touchscreen. You don't know what's happening. Right? You, you don't know what's happening. Uh, so it could have been doing a lot of things when it was off." Uh, and so I think they lost that because I started to buy into, okay, you're right. He was driving the time he would have been by where he would have thrown it out. Maggie's phone isn't doing the orientation thing. Ah, but then on, when the, when the state came back up, they're like, hey, dude, <laughs> if the phone starts off, it's not going to do the orientation thing. He says, yeah, that's right. Right. Like, so 
So this, so, so what's tragic. fascinating, like uh, my big takeaway is like, if I'm going to ever kill somebody, I'm going to get rid of my phone uh, and I'm going to get rid of their phones like before I ever do. I'm going to find some way to get them outside somewhere without any phones. Cause, and, and, yes. But also if I think I'm going to be that. murdered, I want my phone on all the time. I want every app to track every location that I go to all the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. And, he, he, and they found out Alec had deleted a bunch of stuff, uh, from the, well, I don't, I don't get why Sled didn't take his phone right away. That's still, they didn't take it for another couple months, and he had deleted a bunch of stuff out of there. Well, and he deleted, he deleted the call log that shows he yeah. made phone calls to his wife the time of the murders. But the problem is, is that her phone recorded those calls in its call log, so we knew he was calling. And what's even worse is that we know that the calls are coming in. And there is then this the or these attempt that the camera's coming on and the orientation is changing, but the yeah. phone is not unlocking, which indicates to me that he's try that he's got her phone and he's trying to place the call and he's trying to open her phone and can't. But he does know her passcode. They say that's what I don't However, understand. When you're when you're all you know just killed two people, you might be lose your mind a little if he did indeed did it um, and, and whacked and out on drugs. Yes, he didn't know how to open Paul's phone. He did not have the passcode, so I didn't think he counted on the fact that they would be able to get into his phone because it was some weird model. I don't know if he knew that or not, but it took them a while to get into it with some new software, and that's what that video was that we might see again later, which would put him at the kennel. This is the video that Paul shot of his friend's dog that was staying at their kennel. He shot a quick video to tell his friend, hey, I think something's wrong with your dog's tail, and as he's shooting this, like, 50-second video... Um, you can hear the voices of Alec and Maggie in the background, which puts him at the kennels, right, during right. during the, the window where he's supposed to have not been there. Um, yeah, he said very clearly in multiple, oh, well, we've only seen two interviews with him. There's a third one out there somewhere. I never went to the dog kennels. Uh, I took a nap. I got up. I got in the car, went to my mom's. Right, and and so what it does also is it because we know the exact time the video was taken, eight forty four and fifty five seconds. It indicates that his phone was not with him when he was at the kennels. That's right. a huge problem because if, if if the video puts him at the kennels and the phone is up at the house or in his car someplace, it's not going to show the footsteps, which is when he said he was napping. But it puts him right. there at the time, and they've been able to, I think pretty effectively narrow this down to a window based on all of the movement oh, yeah. to say Minutes. yeah to say that that Maggie and Paul were both murdered during this like 10 minute span and if we can get Murdoch uh, we can get Alex Murdoch close to that window or in it oh, then than then that's it yeah, well here's also something that they brought up but they didn't dwell on but I noticed is it's 922 something they do Alex steps right stuff but he noticed so at 9.22 something, he has like 170, I don't have my notes for me, 170 some steps in like three minutes or something. And then the next three minutes, he does like 50 steps. Well, you know what that says to me is he gets to his mom's house, he runs somewhere to possibly get rid of something, and then runs back and then starts walking into the mom's house. It, it was a, a very weird thing that they, they said it, but they didn't say anything about it. Right, but I know that's what when he robbed his mom's house. So he suddenly has these hundred and fifty some steps in a very quick pace, and his next same set of minutes, it's a, a third of that. There's something weird going on there. Yeah, and so the orientation changes the the number of steps when they are occurring. That video, 
Um, and also there's some it, there's some indication that uh, there could have been attempts to and I don't know if they're going to try to make this case, but there could be attempts to uh, to hold the phone up to the the dead people's bodies in order to try to get their facial uh, unlocked to 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 start. Uh, but it I, wouldn't have worked on Paul because Paul right. didn't have one. The, right, the, uh, right, the, right. The, the, the wounds were so gruesome that, that it wouldn't work. Um, I'm also curious. It was good to hear the part about the dropping of the phone because I was curious as to, like, why wouldn't that prompt uh, some, uh, some record collection? But they said, no, if you just drop a phone, it's not going to create the orientation changes that yeah, you would otherwise see. So that, that settled that question for me. Look, and a lot of people... I really do hope that the state, that the prosecution, I really do hope that they put this all together into a timeline. I think the defense had something like that up there for the jury. Yeah. But this is all confusing, and I understand they're trying to enter all of this information into evidence and to get it on the record, but they need to they, they need to diagram this thing out, and if they could even do a video, I think, of it, so they could put everybody at the scene and show what's happening with oh. the timeline. The first or yesterday, the yeah. first talker, the sled agent, about it was completely confusing and baffling. And I'm taking notes and writing their right. arrows all over. And the jury, only one guy was taking notes. And there's no way they came out of that with knowing what the hell was up. Because he didn't even do it in chronological order. He was all over the place. Right. So the, so the jury is allowed to take notes? There was a guy, I, I, I think he was taking notes. Not usually, but... Uh, I yeah, I don't know. Something. It's different. Every court is di- Every trial is different. So I was curious. I yeah, I that how did you keep up. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, we'll let you get back in there then, Matt Harris, the uh, co-host of the Matt Ramona Show on our sister station, Mix 107.9, and uh, also co-host of a podcast on the murder cases called Impact of Influence. You can get it on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it, buddy. And uh, we'll check back in with you tomorrow, unless, of course, the judge says Matt has to sit in the courtroom and listen to more testimony tomorrow at 2 o'clock. That's the thing. It's got to work with his schedule because they. I think they're on lunch recess until three, until two thirty or so, maybe two forty-five. So Matt's probably walking into because you got to get in line because it's limited seating and I, it, you know first come first serve, no phones allowed. So and I totally get it. So we're just kind of we're uh, we're up in the air. And if Matt is able to join us at two, then we'll do it. Uh, but I'm going to go into some more of these details because I like when. So my day now during the Murdoch trial has been. I wake up, I do show prep, and at 9.30, the trial starts. I, pr- I turn it on. I have it going in the background as I uh, do show prep, and um, I make notes as I go. During the show, as I'm doing it live, I've got it pulled up here. So I'm, I'm listening during the breaks. I'm reading through the live updates on thestate.com, and I'm watching the YouTube channel. And then when I get home, I turn it back on. I have it going in the background as I continue uh, to do what I you know my continue show prep, monitors the government meetings and stuff. So I keep it going. And so, and they'll go like last night, I think they went till almost six o'clock. Um, so I'll give you a rundown on what I saw, but I, but I'm not, I'm sort of on a leg, you know, I'm on a little bit of a leg. News talk 1110 and 993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at And uh, I do have some emails here on the, uh, uh, on the Murdoch trial uh, and uh, related topics. And so I will get to those. Some of them came in yesterday. So this is, like I said, I'm on a bit of a lag because the way the trial falls and the way you know, and, and the hours that we do the show. So it's, it's helpful that I'm, you know, a lot of this during this time of the show, they're on a lunch break. So nothing new is happening, but it's always going to put me 
you know, the afternoon session is going to happen after I get off air. And so I'm never able to uh, to kind of do a full day beginning to end recap. So I'm always kind of straddling both days, which sounds weird, but I didn't mean it like that. So we've got uh, the timeline. And I said at the beginning, this is how the I think the prosecution's either going to sink or swim on this is they're going to have to li- uh, lay out the uh, the timeline and they're going to have to be pretty precise. And they did say that they were going to show in their opening statement, they said they were going to show that Alec Murdoch did this and they're going to be able to do so by giving us the timeline based on the cell phone data. Now, I don't know what what Alec thought cell phones collect and what they can use and all of that. I, I don't know. Maybe he thought it was just cell phone pings off the towers or something. But they collect a lot of information. And the the sled agents and the investigators, these experts, these cyber crimes guys, they they got everything. They got everything off of these phones. They could I mean they could they could there wasn't anything that was off limits. Now whether or not they wanted to go back far enough or whatever but they have constructed a timeline of the night of the murder, uh, murders. And so at 7.50, and I'm just going to give, I'm not going to give you the seconds. I'm just going to give you the you know hour and minute here, but they've got it broken down to the seconds. But at 7.50, I, 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 will, I will give you the seconds when it matters. If it's like, all you know, boom, 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 so lots of stuff happening all at once. But here's the timeline as constructed by uh, court watchers. 7.50, um, Maggie calls a friend. They talk on the phone for about oh, just under three minutes. At 8.15 then, so about 25 minutes later, she arrives at the property. Two minutes after that, she unplugs the phone. I would think from her car. That makes the most amount of sense to me. Don't know why her phone would have been plugged in in the house if she's on it in her car driving, right? So she unplugs the phone from her car at 8.17. She then walks 38 steps. Now, that's a rough estimate. By the way, spoiler alert, if you're trying to trick your fitness app into walk, is thinking that you walked more than you did, keep it in your hand and swing your hand. Apparently, that makes you it, that, that gives you more steps than you actually took. So what this tells me is that 38 steps is sort of the high end. It's an estimate, but it seems like that's going to be the high end. So she, she arrives at 817, or sorry, 815, two minutes later, unplugs the phone, and then 30 seconds after that, she starts walking. She then stops. And then about 20 minutes later, 15 minutes later, she takes another 43 steps. She then gets a text message at 831 from uh, her brother-in-law that says, I'm planning to go over to visit dad. Dad is Alec Murdoch's father who's in the hospital. He eventually he passed away a couple days after the murders. But he wasn't doing very well. He got put into the hospital. And so Alec's brother, John, I think, sends a text message to the whole group and says, I'm going to go visit Dad tomorrow. Let me know if you want to come. Anybody else want to come? That was at 831. At 849, her phone, the display, comes on. And that usually indicates that the phone has recognized your face. That you put you if you got facial if you have the facial unlock where you just look at the phone it 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 recognizes your face and then it unlocks for you the the display pops on and then the phone unlocks right so at eight forty nine twenty six seconds display comes on eight forty nine twenty seven seconds there is a message from someone else in the group chat that says that they can't go see dad tomorrow 
that they're in court all week and frowny face or whatever, emoji. That message was read. Okay, so we know Maggie's got the phone because she read the message. And then four seconds after that, the phone is locked, so she turns it off. And the display, or then, and so then that's the last that occurs. There's last, uh, anything that happens from 849 and 31 seconds from when the phone gets locked after she checks that message. Less than four minutes later, the display pops on again. And now you've got, that's at 8.53. She takes 59 steps during which the orientation of the camera changes. In other words, where you hold it sideways or, or upways, downways, vertically or horizontally, right? Landscape or portrait. Right, so while these 59 steps are occurring over the course of two minutes, the orientation changes. Then the camera comes on as if it's looking for a face. Then there, there's another orientation change. Then there's another orientation change. And the Verizon Wireless employee said that those orientation changes were indicative of the face unlock attempts. Those occurred at the end of the steps. And then at 9 o'clock, there are, I don't know, it seems there are steps there, but I think this is what this is the window because then at 9.04, Maggie misses a call from Alec. So from 8.53 to 9.04, you've got this activity where the display on her phone comes on, she walks 59 steps, the orientation changes. The, uh, the camera pops on again for one second. Another orientation change. Another orientation change. And the Verizon employee says this looks indicative of somebody trying to unlock the phone. Was she running? Was she trying to open the phone? Was the phone essentially, you know, if you're looking down at it, you got it in your hand. If it's trying to catch your face and it's trying to unlock, but it can't, whatever. But that's the that's the time of death. So the prosecutors are saying that between 8.53 and 9.04... That's when they were killed. Because at 9.04, Maggie gets a phone call from Alec. 9.06, the phone orientation changes to portrait. Two seconds later, another call from Alec. What do you think happened there? All right, I think we're on day eight. Yeah. Day eight of the Alec Murdoch trial in uh, South Carolina, accused of murdering his wife and son at their at their hunting property, their hunting lodge, whatever, uh, called Moselle, because it's on, located on Moselle Road. And they have taken uh, their cell phones. They opened them up. They got access to all the information. And I think and as Matt Harris, one of the co-hosts of uh, Impact of Influence, the podcast that's been tracking all of the uh, all of the, the Murdoch uh, drama and all of the stories surrounding it for like a year or two now. Um, this, the, uh, the case is built around this cell phone data and whether or not Alec was or was not at the property during the time frame when he says he was not. So there's a couple things. He says that his story was that uh, he 
ate with his wife and son at the property, took a nap, and then woke up and said, I'm going to try to call his wife and said, I'm going to see mom. And uh, then he texted her and they got in his car and he drove to see his mom. And then he drives home and then he finds the body. And the reason he went to see his mom, who is suffering from late stage Alzheimer's, at 9 o'clock at night, when she probably wouldn't really be very lucid, because that's kind of one of the things about late-stage Alzheimer's, but the defense says, well, he wanted to go see his mom because his dad had just gone into the hospital. So his, his timeline is that he took a nap, then woke up and left. But supposedly he was napping during this, uh, during this timeline between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock because he says he woke up and got in his car and took off because the text messages and the phone calls he made were all around 9.06. That's when he said he left. Problem is, his son Paul, who he's accused of murdering, shot a video at the kennels, which is where the bodies were found, which is where the murders occurred. And you can hear Alex's voice in the video. What does this mean? The video was shot at 8.44 p.m. His story was that he was asleep and then he woke up and then he went in and he he called uh, Maggie, his wife, and that call occurred at 9.04. 9.04 is when he called Maggie. And he said he called her while he was still at the house, right, get in the car, calls her again, and she's not answering. Then he sends a text at 9.08, says, going to check on M, be right back. So he doesn't say mom. He says, going to check on M, be right back. That was at 9.09, right? So he's saying, I'm getting ready to leave. He never goes the, what, 300 yards or whatever down the down the, the driveway. He doesn't go over to the, the kennel area. He calls her all those times, never says anything, or, or ne- and she never answers, never jumps in the car, drives down there, doesn't do that. Then says, I'm going to go, I'll be right back. But if the video that Paul shot was at 844 and Alex's voice is in it, that means he was down at the kennels. So why is he calling her? And why wasn't that part of his story? And then, of course, as Matt Harris talked about uh, earlier in the hour, why did he delete those calls off his phone log? Because he did. Maybe he thought he could get into Maggie's phone. He had her code. He gave them their, uh, the code. The t- See, the problem here is the timeline. That's why I said this is going to make or break the case. The timeline doesn't line up with what he said he was doing. At 9.08, he says, I'm going to check on mom. I'll be right back. Now you, So you have the, the, the call log. You have the texts. You have the video from Paul. Because the, the, you know Paul's phone, you got to remember, there are three different phones. And they're able then to work all of this information together. Now, Maggie had turned off a lot of her notifications and, and location service. And you know this, right? You're, um, you got your app, and it, you, you download the app, and it says, uh, do you want to give permission to this app to know your location? And you get to choose when I'm using the app, when I'm not, or, or never, or always, right? And she was more privacy conscious, let's say. She was she was not turning on a lot of her locational devices or, or uh, settings. Paul, they, like, he had thousands of pages of information because 
he kept everything on, and he was all over the place, ping, 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 everywhere, you know? And he's the one that shot the video that apparently was done because when um, when he shot the video at 8.44 p.m., about eight minutes later, we get her, uh, we get her taking steps. Her display goes off. Well, her phone gets locked first, actually. Her phone gets locked. She reads the message. He shoots the video. She reads the message. The phone gets locked. The display gets turned off. She takes 59 steps. The orientation then changes. Camera comes on for a second. Orientation change, orientation change. More steps, and then the missed call from Alec. Now, the missed call from Alec is at 9.04. Whether or not he's still on the property or whatever his story is that, you know, he's getting ready to leave, and so he calls and he's trying to call her to say, I'm going to see mom. But he never leaves a message. Maggie's phone. So at 9.04, he calls. 9.06, the phone orientation changes to portrait mode. As if you're trying to open the phone, right? You're picking up the phone and looking at it. That's 9.06 and 12 seconds. 9.06, 14 seconds, missed call from Alec Murdoch. 9.06 and 20 seconds, uh, 20 seconds, so 9.06, 20, so six seconds later, the orientation change ends. And then 30 seconds later, another missed call from Alec. And then nine seconds, the display comes back on. And then 9.08.58, a text from Alec that is not read. And that's the text that says, going to check on mom, be right back. That's at 9. 08909. Okay? So that's that's the timeline they have built. It almost sounds like to me you had three phone calls within two minutes from Alec that were not answered by Maggie, which he then prompts the prompts him to write the text. But Maggie's phone is doing something. The orientation is changing. Picture this. Just put yourself in the place of Maggie. Your spouse calls you. Three times in two minutes. Let's say the first time you do what all of us do and ignore the phone call. No, I'm kidding. But let, like, let's say the first time you can't get to it, whatever, phone phone rings. You're like, oh, it's dad. I'll get to him in a minute. But then a couple seconds later, phone rings again. Now it's like, oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. I'll, I'll get right back to him. He's calling me again. That third time he's calling, you think something's wrong, right? There, you have got to think like he just sawed his arm off or something up in the house, right? Like he burned himself, he's fallen and he can't get up. Something has gone wrong. He's calling you three times in in uh, two minutes. That's a problem. There's something wrong. You're answering that phone. Not to mention the phone is doing stuff this whole time. The orientation is changing, landscape to portrait. It's being moved around. So am I to believe that she's already been murdered? which is what the prosecution is going to, I think, they, they've put the time of death somewhere between 8.53 and 9.04. And these three phone calls come in from Alec at 9.06. So they're saying that she was already dead by then. So are we to believe that Alec didn't hear the gunshots? The half a dozen, the two shotgun uh, uh, blasts and the, what, half a dozen AR-15 shots? We, that he didn't hear any of those at the house? And he just happens to be coincidentally calling three times in two minutes and then sending a text, not getting any response, but just heads out rather than drive past the kennels and say, hey, I'm going to head off to mom's. 
Instead, he just leaves the property in, in, in the dark without telling them, without getting response back after gunshots have gone off that he apparently didn't hear. And I'm also supposed to believe that the gunshots went off. He didn't hear them. They're dead. He's calling his wife. And the murderers are picking up her phone. And they're trying to do something with it. Why would you answer that? Why would you pick up that phone? If you just murdered her, why would you take the phone? And if you took the phone, why would you then discard it a couple hundred meters away on the uh, up at the road? Now, I'm not clear because I, I, I missed this part, but the phone was delivered to SLED in airplane mode, which apparently works almost as good as a Faraday cage in, in blocking people's hack attempts. Did you know that? I did not know that. So um, that's how SLED got it. But I don't know who put it on airplane mode, but somebody did. Somebody did. After they removed that phone from Maggie's body uh, or her hand or the scene, after they were messing around with it while Alec is calling, and they, they ditched it on the road. Now, why would, why would they do that? For 22 minutes after that text message from Alec that said, be right back, 22 minutes, nothing happens, and then... At 9.31.44, display pops on again. And then, about 10 minutes later, another missed call from Alec. And then, two minutes after that, a text from Alec. Never opened, never read, and he says, call me, babe. What do you think? News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Got a uh, message here from Gary to Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. A couple of things on the Murdoch trial. Why are the guns missing? If you murder somebody and you don't own the guns, wouldn't it be better to leave the guns and wipe or wear gloves? Wipe them down or wear gloves. If the guns are not tied to you, then why take them? You wouldn't want to be caught with the murder weapons. If you wanted to steal guns, why wouldn't you take other guns at the home then? Yeah, there are a lot of questions about it. But it's one of the things you always got to keep in mind. Criminals are not always smart. Like questions that we ask ourselves after the fact and are thinking, why do they do that? That question might literally have never crossed their mind. Um, I'm trying to remember. I was I covered a trial years ago. I forget who said it, but they said something like, uh, I, I think it was actually the Ray Carruth trial where they said, we know this is a bad plan, uh, but the prosecutors were like, it's not our plan. We didn't make this plan. He made this plan. If it sounds like a stupid plan, we shouldn't be penalized for that. He did it. He made the plan. Um, second, Gary says, is there not trail cams or security cameras on the property? He says, I helped build a hunting cabin. It was about $3 million home for a $3 million home for somebody that owns a bunch of car dealerships. This was down in South Carolina. They had trail cams, et cetera, so they could track wildlife and see who was on the property. He even had an ex-game warden managing the property. I would not be surprised if they didn't have somebody upkeeping the property and cameras. Uh, there was somebody there to keep uh, uh, Garrett to, to uh, help with the dogs. There was somebody to come out and help the dogs who apparently Alec tried to uh, tried to throw the cops onto his trail at some point. Um, and they had a housekeeper as well. 
but uh, but no, I don't think they had any kind of like a property manager or, uh, or game warden or something like that. Um, let me see here. Murdoch Dynasty. Kurt, uh, Craig says, you should watch the documentary on HBO about the Murdoch family, Low Country, the Murdoch Dynasty. The stuff coming out of the trial is nothing compared to the backstory of these sociopaths. Yep, I've seen it. There is a whole, see, and that's one of the things. There, are, there have been so many documentaries and podcasts and stories about this family because they have been running the show, true Democrat dynasty style, they've been running the show down there for generations. The crookedness, the corruption, it's, it, it is astounding. And it has gotten a lot of people, though, uh, that are watching this trial looking at all of these looking at all of these other things, all of these other crimes and issues and such. And so that is informing their opinions in the trial. And so I, I, you got you gotta keep in mind the jury is the one that's going to decide this and they're the ones that are supposed to only be looking at the evidence presented at the trial, right? Um, but yes, it's a good documentary. I recommend it as well. Um, Pete or Jay says, Pete, the gun is at the bottom of an alligator infested swamp. Yeah, that's that, that, that's possible. So uh, yesterday they had the Verizon wireless guy take the stand where he talked about, uh, you know, the cell phone, the pings and stuff like that. And then they had and I think this guy has been a fantastic witness uh, for the state. His name is Lieutenant Britt Dove. He's a sled agent. Uh, he's on his second day now uh, of testimony. I think they're I think they're probably back now. Um Dude's got a uh, a resume that is. It took him like ten minutes to go over like one page of all of the credentials and experience. He is even keeled, and he's got a great way of explaining complex technical things about smartphones where everybody can understand it. Like he'll say, you know, like where you you turn the phone this way and this way, whatever. Like he explains all of this tech. And he does it clearly, does it concisely, and he's been walking through. And, and I understand people are getting frustrated that this is boring, it's hard to follow, and I get that. But there's a process that usually lawyers go through here, right? and they got to get all of this stuff entered into the record. And by the way, a lot of this stuff when they say, oh, we're looking at this, this piece of data, and it says orientation change at 8.55 and 32 seconds, and they'll say, all right, here's a text message, going to check on M, be right back. All right, so we uh, submit this into evidence, and they're getting objected to. Like, the defense is objecting to a lot of these questions as they go, but the judge is just swatting them down. Um, just, to, I guess, to preserve it for the record, they keep objecting. Um, and Britt Dove has done a fantastic job, but they're walking him through all of this stuff, and I, I, I darn sure hope that they produce a timeline that is easily understood by the jury. Put it in a big poster board. Right. Have it all lined up, maybe even do like a video recreation using those little computer generated human figures, something to show a visual idea of what was going on at each tick of the clock. Stick around. Brett Winterbull's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.